But I want them to bring me an offering and let them make me a what? So what were they doing with these offerings? They were making God a sanctuary. He says that I may dwell among them. Notice that God spoke to Moses and asked Moses to speak to the people. Why didn't God just talk to the people straight? God's going to tell the leader stuff he's not going to tell you. So it may look like and it may sound like man may be asking for something, but it's actually God doing the request. God has always used over and above offerings to supply things for his house. Jesus said where your treasure is, what? That's where your heart's going to be. And so watch this. Let me just throw this in for free. If you want to keep your heart right towards your church, give to your church. I'm going to define what I call unorthodox giving. It is spirit-led or heart-led giving that can be viewed as different, unconventional, unusual, or even crazy. When I first became a pastor, I went to my first pastor's conference and I asked the Lord, Lord, what would you like for me to give as the pastor of Word of Truth Family Church? And the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to give $5,000. I said, I won't be doing that today. I wrote a check for $2,500. It was like public giving. So they go down there and they announce it so they can add it up. I walked down there and I, I was $2,500. And everybody's looking like, what's wrong with him? Then I marched back to my seat like I did something. As soon as I sat down, one of the staff said, uh, Pastor, for some reason, I think you're supposed to give, we're supposed to give another $2,500. How much does that add up to? What did God tell me to do? I wanted to say the devil is a lie, but I couldn't do it. Grudgingly, I wrote the check. See, sometimes obedience has nothing to do with how you feel. I was not happy when I wrote the check. Was I cheerful? No. Does God love a cheerful giver? But he don't hate an uncheerful one. Favor flows when my sowing grows. In other words, giving, listen church, causes grace and favor to increase in my life. After you give, God will generously provide all you need. And you will always have, watch this, everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So listen, my giving is what determines my overflow. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap for that. Good morning, word of truth. Good morning to those who are watching. Before I get into the message, I do have a couple of pastoral announcements. So how many received some of these? Did you get some of these yet? Okay. So listen, this is our evangelism tool to reach people who typically don't go to church. So people who don't go to church typically don't go because people don't invite them. So I don't want you to give this to a friend who already goes to church. I want you to give this to someone who does not go to church. Now, let me show you how to do it in an easy way. Let's say it's a co-worker and you know they don't go to church. You know that they probably don't know the Lord. Maybe they know may know about the Lord. But you know, you know, they need a closer walk because you get a contact every time they come to, come to work. They pass, your, they pass your cubicle and you get high just because all that weed on them, right? So this is how you do it. This is how easy it is. Just, just say to them, hey, do, do you like coffee? Do you, do you like Starbucks? And if they say yes, say, I want to invite you to uh, our Easter production at our church that we're having on a Friday or on a Sunday. And if you come, you will get a free gift card to Starbucks. See how easy that was to evangelism? 
So you just ask them. Now, if they say, no, I don't like coffee, then say to them, do you know someone who does? So they still end up giving to them. Say, hey, give this to them and invite them to our church and then give this to them. Because we, we printed about, I don't know, five or 10,000. I can't remember the number. And I want you all to uh, pass these out because at the end of the day, what if you're the only person that God has assigned to reach that person to get to heaven? What if you're the only voice that they trust for the invitation? What if you're the one? So make sure you get you some. And then uh, next week, which is our giving Sunday, we're going to be passing out a uh, like a three by five small index card. But on the index card, I'm asking you to put the top three things you are believing God for from the seed that you're sowing next week. And so what you're going to do, you're going to fill that out. And then I would encourage you to take a picture of it because I'm going to ask you to turn those in. And so for the next quarter or so, I'm going to be praying over all the things that you write down. And then we're just going to have uh, a say it in your chest, say it, say it, say it, where everyone whose things have come to pass, I'm going to want you to go on the website and you don't have to do a whole video, but I'm just going to want you to list the things that, you know, and you don't have to put your name on it. So that way, if it's real personal, we won't know necessarily who it was, but I'm going to want you to put your. So I want you to be praying. Everybody say praying. I want you to be praying this week about what your top three things are. OK, and make sure that your faith is for those three things. Okay, don't 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 say, well, I want 10 houses. Well, first get one. Okay, all right. Let me see what else we have coming up. I think. uh, I think that's it. Uh, There are no more ETV experience division membership classes for the rest of the month. We're going to pick back up. For the month of April. Last, uh, this was not on my list, but Keandria, she was up here singing. I don't know where she is. Uh, there she is. So stand up real quick. So this is my new assistant right here. Okay. So you all be, you all be praying for her because she's going to need it. She's going to need it. She's going to have to learn to put up with all three, Pastor Evan, Elder Evan, Evan, all those people. She's going to have to help manage. But uh, uh, her and Pastor Lisa are working together to, to transition things. And uh, you say, well, why did I do that? The bigger a church gets, the more uh, dedicated you have to be in certain areas. And so, Pastor Lisa, our church has gotten larger, so her focus needs to be more on the areas of ministry that she runs, and it also needs to be focused on our finances for the church. And so she couldn't keep doing that and help me at the same time. So Keandria now is going to be helping. So any appointments that you need, anything that relates to me, then, you you know, she's going to be the lady. And then uh, when you send me emails, we're going to, I'm going to send this out in an email. But when you send emails to me now... I'm going to ask you to copy her because some of them I may miss. Some of them may go in my junk folder. And then if I'm out of town, if I'm traveling or whatever, uh, then she'll be the one to help me and remind me to get those things done. Amen. So y'all give Keandre a big hand clap. Yes. 
So stand to your feet. Let's let's confess the word. Oh my God, I, I I think I can do it. I can do it. I have 32 minutes. Do you think I can do it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so hold up your Bible. Say this is God's word, not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And we come today so the spirit of God can breathe on what, Father, you have prepared. I step back so that he can step up and minister to your people. And I thank you, Father, for whatever that needs to be said or done will be said and done to your glory. And I pray that when we all leave this place, we will leave spiritually fed for what we need. I pray that this church will hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us individually and to us as a church. And I declare in the name of Jesus for new levels to be experienced in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated at home. We're in a new series or series entitled Unorthodox Giving. Everybody say Unorthodox Giving. I still believe we are in a season as a church. And if you will embrace it as a person, I believe you're going to see some unorthodox things that God is doing in your life. If you say, if you believe that, say, I receive that. And I'm convinced that giving can cause you, or unorthodox giving, I should say, can cause you to experience unorthodox living. Because I believe that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, your life should not look like a regular person's life. So the goal of the series is twofold. Number one, to teach principles of giving from a biblical perspective so that we have faith to give Watch this now. That will help us be in position to receive. And then number two, the goal is to raise enough funds to help us save for our next building project, hopefully. But our focus is going to be to add some extra things in ministry. And so one of the key points that I made on last week and, and the video kind of showed it. But one of the things on last week that I showed was that God uses over and above giving in order to supply extra things for his house. And so we looked at Exodus chapter 25 and in verse 1 it said, The Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Everybody say, that sounds personal. He said, bring me an offering. And then he says, of every man that gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take up my offering. So sometimes it may look like and it may sound like that man is asking for an offering when it's actually God that's making the request. And so last week, the most important thing I wanted you to get and to ingrain into your thinking from the message was favor from God and man can grow. Everybody say favor from God. And favor from man can grow. 
in Luke chapter 2 verse 52, we can see this in the life of Jesus. It said, and Jesus increased. Everybody say increased. He increased how? In wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in what else church? Favor. And that favor that he increased in was in favor with who? God and man. So listen, your favor with God can grow. Your favor with man can grow. And I don't know about you, but I don't want regular people's favor that they have with God. I want increased favor. And according to 2 Corinthians 9, one of the keys that we looked at in increasing favor for your life, because it's one thing to know that you have the ability to grow in favor with God and man. And it's another thing to actually understand the principle and how it happens. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9 tells us one of the keys that we can apply to grow in favor with God and man. It says in verse 6, but this I say, he who sows or give sparingly shall reap sparingly and he who sows how church bountifully shall reap how bountifully watch verse 7 because the context now he's talking about is giving and so he says after that every man purposes in his heart let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so after you and I give, and after our heart or the way we give is right, it says in verse 8 now, what triggers that? It says once we do that, God's able to make favor to abound toward us. And what does favor being abounded in our life looks like? Do we have all sufficiency in, in how many things? All things. Why? So we can continue to abound in every good work. And so everybody say, favor flows when my sowing grows. Come on, say it one more time. Say, favor flows when my sowing grows. And it's, you know, in my opinion, it's hard for people to get this. Your giving creates opportunities for you. I mean, people don't get it. Because if you knew that your giving dictated your future, you would give more. And not worry more. Everybody say my giving. Opens doors of opportunity. For me. It happened to me yesterday. I'm going to read a text that a pastor friend of mine sent me. Now the text is centered around. I'm not going to name the person. Because I don't want people to feel like I'm name dropping. But the person that he's talking about. Is a worldwide leader. Very well known person. So my friend says. Hey bro. Hope you're doing well. Pastor so-and-so is here in the States for a couple of months. And I asked him if he'd be willing to do a roundtable for some of his friends of mine, and he agreed. His heart has always been for leaders and would rather be in a small room with leaders than in a huge arena full of people. Anyway, we're going to limit the day to 12, trying to be like Jesus, 12 disciples. That's what he put on here. He says, we'll fly into Southern California on May. I ain't going to give the date and have dinner with him that night. Then the next day, we'll spend the day sharing leadership lessons with us. He will. Then that afternoon, we will do a little harbor cruise and then have dinner. And if everyone, anyone who would like, it's optional. You can stay over the next day and have uh, golf. Uh, that morning, there's no charge for the round table, but what I would love us to do is have an opportunity to sow into his ministry uh, that he's starting. And listen, he says, I have six spots left. Would you like to be a part? 
So you mean to tell me out of all the pastor friends that this person has, which he has more than me, and out of all the spots, only 12, there are six spots, but he asked Pastor Ed, would I like to be a part of that? Look at your neighbor and say, your sowing cause favor to flow. And so our third lesson today in the series, this lesson is designed to educate us, motivate us, and inspire us to give on next week. So if you're taking notes, the message title is Having the Attitude of an Unorthodox Giver. Everybody say, having an attitude of an unorthodox giver. See, I've discovered my attitude about giving is different from most people. So some of what you're going to hear is just the kind of attitude that I have when it comes to giving. So let me just give you some natural facts. Did you know research shows that there are some positive benefits in giving in the natural? Amen. In fact, you can do the research. The Cleveland Clinic listed four benefits of giving to others. Here's the first one. It'll lower your blood pressure. Look at your neighbor and say, stop taking the pill and, and serve. Go ahead and tell them. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Giving can lower your blood pressure. Here's number two. It lowers stress levels. And I believe one of the reasons it does is because it takes your mind off of you and puts it on others. Here's number three. Giving, it lessens anxiety and depression. And if you'll notice, a lot of these symptoms that I'm, I'm listing are issues that our society has right now. And then here's the fourth thing that giving does. It increases your self-esteem. Wow, no wonder I feel so good about myself. <laughs> that was humbling, wasn't it? <laughs> so here's why I know without a doubt that giving is good and that giving works. Because the word says it does. And see, I've experienced the fruit of what a giver's life looks like. So my goal today is to highlight the attitude of a biblical giver so that you and I can adjust our financial attitudes to always be in position to receive, increase, overflow, and constant flavor. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. Your heart, this is so good, determines your harvest. Everybody say, my heart determines my harvest. Come on, say it again. Say, my heart determines my harvest. Say it one more time. Say, my heart determines my harvest. Second Corinthians 9, we're going to read it in the New Living Translation today. It says, remember this. A farmer who only plants a few seeds will get what kind of crop? A small crop. But the one who plants generously will get what kind of crop? A generous crop. And then here's what I want you to see. Because, see, your heart attitude about giving is what determines your harvest. He says, you, verse 7, must decide where church. Come on, church. Come on, church. Why I hear this side and I don't hear this side. What did it say? There we go. You must decide where? In your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, but God loves a what? Who gives cheerfully. So there are three things that I want you to see about that. Number one, my heart attitude determines what I sow. Because remember he says, decide in your heart what you're going to do. So my heart decides what I sow. Number two, my heart determines how much I sow. 
And then number three, watch this now. My heart determines my attitude when I sow. Now, the thing about the attitude, notice he says, don't give reluctantly or out of sorrow or grudgingly. See, that's an attitude. And that attitude on how we give, it comes from my heart. Here's the second attitude. He says, we must give cheerfully. So those are attitudes. But see, most people don't know that their hearts have attitudes. Look at your neighbor and say, your heart has an attitude. So here's the question. Why is the attitude, church, of my giving so important when it comes to giving? Why is my heart attitude so important? Here's why. Because how you and I give it out is how it's going to come back to us in a multiplied way. That's how people end up in fights. Growing up, who's ever been in a fight? Ever been in a fight growing up? Okay. All right. Some fights are instigated. By the other person's attitude. You was fine. Until their attitude got bad. And it was their bad attitude. Watch this. That multiplied back to you. That caused you to have an attitude. So here's a take home statement that I want you to write down. Here's a take home statement. Your seed determines what you receive. But your heart determines how you receive it. I'm going to say that again. Your seed determines what you give. In other words, a farmer knows if he wants strawberries back, what kind of seed does he have to plant? Okay, so your seed determines what you receive, but your heart determines how you receive it. Listen to the easy to read version of Luke chapter 6 verse 38. It says, give to others and you will receive. You will be given much. It will be poured into your hands more than you can hold. Watch this part. He says, you will be given so much that it will spill over into your lap. Here's the principle. The way, read it with me. The way you give to others is the way God will give it to you. Wow. The way you give to others is the way God will give it to you. In other words, that's why he wants us to be cheerful in it. Because if you always give with a bad attitude, everybody who is scheduled to give back to you is going to give it with a bad attitude. If you give it with this attitude of slowfulness and regret and delay, Because some of our increase has been misscheduled because we've misscheduled somebody else's. Okay, so if you want God to use people to bless you and you want that person to obey God immediately, then you and I must sow seeds of immediate obedience. Why does God have to talk to us 10 times about the same thing? Well, if he's, listen, if God's average to talk to you is 10, then his average in talking to somebody else to bless you is 10. Mm. Okay. Listen to the amplified version of uh, Galatians chapter 6. It says, let him who receives, the context is given, that's why I'm reading this. He says, let him who receives instructions in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. That's why it's biblical to give to your pastor. But look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. 
and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. Watch, the, here's the principle. For whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he's going to reap. You know why most people never reap? Because inside they only have intentions on sowing. See, when it comes to this, intentions have to match physical energy. In other words, you just can't, it's like your kids wake up in the morning and they're starving and they tell you and they go to class and they tell their teacher, I'm starving. And the teacher says, hey, did your mom or your dad fix you something to eat? And then they say no. And the teacher calls you and says, uh, Mr. Connor, uh, Landon is starving here at, at school. Uh, and he said he asked you for some food and you didn't give it to him. And I say to him or her, I intended to feed him. I intended to give. I'm looking for a harvest. But but one ain't coming. Because listen, I only had intentions and not actions. He said, for whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he's going to reap. For he who sows to his own flesh, the lower nature of sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life. Watch verse 9 here. This is good. Let us not lose what, church? Heart. So remember now, we give from the heart. The attitude of how we give it comes from the heart. So now we were talking about giving. And so he says in verse 9, don't lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. Why? Because in due time and at the appointed season, we will what? Reap if we don't loosen and relax our courage and faint. In other words, he's saying here is that our hearts determine if we reap. So do you know most people get weary in their heart? Everybody say, my heart determines my harvest. Years ago when I was in college... Some of you all may know the story. And uh, I was back then, very few college students had cars. Some had them, but most of them didn't have them. Now, these days, all kids almost have, have, have cars, you know. And so I had a 74 Nova my parents handed down to me. And so uh, uh, I became a Christian at Prayer View. And we, I, I was part of this Bible study. It was called Joy Bible Study. And so I would go to Bible study. It was on campus. No big deal. So there was a lady there that would come. And she, you know, this was a HBCU school. Okay. So it was majority black. And uh, this particular lady, her name was Miss Norris. Miss Norris was an Anglo lady. And what was different about Miss Norris is that she was an older lady. So Miss Norris had to be probably in her, I don't know, 40s. And so that was different. She's not only a minority in a minority school, but she is in age, you know. And so uh, she didn't have a car. And the bus didn't run at Prairie View. So I volunteered my services for Miss Norris to grocery shop because she lived off campus. 
So sometimes Miss Norris would walk to campus and sometimes people would take her. So anyway, I said, Miss Norris, if you ever need to go grocery shopping or whatever, uh, let me know and, and I'll, and I'll come and pick you up and take you grocery shopping. I'm trying to be a Christian. And so there were times she would ask me and, and, and I would do it, you know, cause I told her I would. And so this particular day, I was in my dorm room, my roommate was in there, and I was laying in my dorm room, uh, on the dorm cot. <laughs> and the phone rings. My roommate answers the phone, and it's Miss Norris. And he says, Evan, uh, telephone. I said, who is it? He said, it's Miss Norris. I said, ask her what she want. And he asked her, and she said, can you ask Eben to take me to the grocery store? And so he says, she says, she, can she, can you take her to the grocery store? I said, yeah, tell her I'll be there. And so he hung up the phone and I stayed in the bed. You know, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes go by. He comes to, he said, man, didn't you just say you was going to take Miss, Miss Nard to the grocery store? I said, yeah. He says, why are you still in the bed? I said, because I'm going to make sure that I'm willing to do it with my heart before I get out of the bed. Because if I do it unwillingly, she gets blessed, not me. See, the Bible says, when you love, it says, you can give your body to be burned, but if you don't have love behind it, it profits you nothing. It might profit the person you did it for, but it ain't going to profit you. And I said to myself, I'm not going to get out of my bed. I'm not going to use my energy. I'm not going to suck up my gas in my car to go take Miss Norris to the grocery store until my heart is in it. Amen. And this is why God wants us to be cheerful when we give. Because he knows that in the principle, how we give it out is how it's going to come back to us in a multiplied way. So our heart attitude, listen church, influences the quality and the quantity of our harvest. So here's the question. How do we better manage our heart attitudes when it comes to giving? Because the world has messed up a lot of our hearts when it comes to this area. We must realize, here's the answer to the question, we must realize that, number one, our heart determines our harvest. But here's point number two, if you're taking notes. Our soul controls our fold. My heart determines my harvest, but my soul controls my fold. Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. We've heard this parable before, but I'm going to tie the parable into our hearts. It says that he spoke many things to them in parables. Jesus saying, behold, a sower went out to do what? So. So now we're talking about a person who is a sower who's going out to sow some seed or sow something. Verse four. And when he sowed, some of these seeds he sowed fell where? By the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Look in verse five. Some fell where? Stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they didn't have a depthness of earth. And then when the sun was up, it was scorched and they withered away because they didn't have fruit. Watch verse 7. And then some fell among what? I want y'all to notice the conditions that these seeds fell in. Perfectly good seed. Look at the conditions that the seeds fell in. But verse 8 it says, but other fell on what kind of ground? Good ground. And because the ground was good, it brought forth what? A hundred, sixty, and what else? Thirty-fold. 
So now we're going to drop down to verse 18. Go to verse 18 because I want to show you, church, that your heart controls your harvest and your soul controls your fold. The Living Bible of Matthew 13, that's what we're going to read from now. In verse 18, it says, now here is the explanation of the story I told about the farmer planting grain. The hard path where some of the seeds fell, read it with me, church, represents the, of a, come on, everybody read, represents the, so this hard path, this soil where this seed was falling, that soil represented what? The heart of the person. So a lot of times we read that, not really realizing that it's not about the seed, it's about the soil. And most of us don't realize that maybe, just maybe, some of the harvest we're waiting for from the seed that we have sown, our hearts are not in good condition, and so the harvest cannot come forth. He says, "Son, rep- uh, the the path." Some of the seeds fail, represents the heart of a person who watches. Here's the good news about the kingdom. They don't understand it. And then Satan comes and snatches the seed from their what? Heart. Look in verse 20. The shallow and the rocky soil, read it with me, represents the heart of a man who hears the message and receives it. In other words, the soil represents the heart of a person. So now I'm going to jump down to verse 22. He says, the ground covered with thistles, watch this, represents the man who hears the message, but the cares of life and the longing for money choke out God's word and he does less and less for God. Watch verse 23. The good ground, everybody say good ground. The good ground, read it with me, represents the heart of a man. Stop. So this good ground that we're talking about represents what in a person? The person's heart. He says this good ground represents the heart of a man who listens to the message and watch this. Here's the key and understand it because you can hear something and not understand it. He said this person listens to the message. They understand it and watch this because they listen because their heart was good. And because, watch this, their soul understood the message. This is why I teach. He says they brought forth what? 30, 60 and what else? Okay, so my heart determines my harvest, but my soul controls my foe because I don't, if I don't understand what giving does for me, not only will I not do it, but I can't get a harvest back from it because my heart, listen, my heart has to be aligned with my thoughts and my soul. And this is why you have to renew your mind. Your, if your mind is not renewed, you can still obey God, but it'll fight you the whole way. You know, it's one thing that your mind fights you every now and then. To give, but if your mind constantly fights you to tithe, that means your heart is willing, but your mind's not renewed. Amen. So, since my heart determines my harvest and my soul controls my foe, here's the question What does a good heart attitude look like? So, this is the heart attitude that most of the time I walk around with. Here's point number three if you're taking notes a word attitude determines my faith altitude. I'm going to say that again. A word attitude determines my faith altitude. In other words, when we allow our heart attitudes to be controlled by the word, then our faith altitude goes up. So now I want you to just listen to what 
an attitude of a giver should look like and sound like. This is, this is what an attitude of a giver should sound like. Uh, I'm a giver. Therefore, I always have all sufficiency in everything. Shortage, lack of poverty is never my state because God always supplies seed to those who sow. And because I'm a sower, I always experience harvest time. I'm never fearful of giving because giving causes me, causes me and to give back to me in multiplied ways. I always walk in favor with God and man because giving is not just what I do. A giver is who I am. The windows of heaven stay open for me and blessings are constantly being poured out. The blessings of the Lord that make me rich and add no sorrow uh, is because he is my shepherd and I never want. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, therefore, whatever I need, I can just ask in a request. My father knows that I'm a giver, therefore, he can count on me to be a blessing to his kingdom or to others at any time. My cup always runs over and all I always have more than what I need. The attitude of a giver never sees the obstacle in giving. The attitude of a giver sees the opportunity of being a giver. And, and, and listen, some of you all need to move up to the next level. See, I've discovered you can follow my principles as a pastor, but not follow my faith. Oh, let me tell. Oh, let me say that again over here. Oh, you can follow the principles that I teach, but not necessarily follow my faith. See, the Bible says those who faith and patience follow those who faith and patience inherit the promise. See, don't just follow the principles that I teach you from the word. Follow my faith because see, my faith will take you further because see, principles can can allow you to stay stuck. Because the principle in God's word says give. And so you you know what? You just stay at that same giving for 25 years. Well, you know what? You're going to stay at that same harvest for 25 years. But if you follow my faith, my faith says go to the next level and do the next level. So uh, the first lady and I, we've had our little uh, giving day discussion. Okay. So as a new couple... I'm telling y'all this number because I just want you all to know, you know, I want to, I want to encourage you. So we've decided we're going to give, our family's going to give 10 grand for our first family giving Sunday. First lady. No struggle between either one of us. We were on the same page. So I want to challenge you. If you want to live at the next level, why don't you start by giving to the next level? Now, see, your mind needs renewal if your mind goes back to, well, what he trying to get from me? See, you, you, you need to go back and watch YouTube by five times. And so next week is probably one of the most powerful principles in producing the harvest into manifestation. Because one, and, and, and it's something that I'm working on personally, I'll tell you next week in the teaching, that uh, because I always have seed in the ground, uh, my harvest level right now is good, but it's not matching the seed I got in the ground. So I had to ask myself, okay, why doesn't my harvest level match my, my seed level? Well, the answer is next week. So with every hit, did y'all get something out of the message today? So with every head bow, some of you... It's very difficult to give to the person you don't trust. 
And whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. And some of you, your trust level in the Lord in this area is weak. It's like a weak internet signal. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I see God wanting to increase your internet signal strength. And the only way he can do it is if you trust him. Here's my question to you. Does God have 100% of your heart when it comes to giving? Or is there still this fear you have that you don't know if it's going to work out? Well, he's a good, good father and he'll never put you in a position of lack. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. It's already been proclaimed. And I thank you today that your word is going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in our lives because our hearts are in a position to hear and obey. And I pray that the word that has been spoken will go down on the inside of our hearts and it will begin to germinate. And Father, as we hear it and hear it and hear it, faith to do it is going to come. And I thank you that next week, our faith will be manifested in the seed that we give. And I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will obey what you tell them in the name of Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Evan, how do I apply today's message? Right there, just with your eyes closed, I want you to listen. This is how you can apply the message today. Ask yourself the question, do I need a financial attitude adjustment? Because if you do, right here while we're praying, I want you to pray and say, Lord, I need you to adjust my financial attitude. Here's the second thing you can do. Ask yourself the question, do you have a biblical attitude when it comes to giving? Or have you allowed your upcoming teaching how you were raised or what culture has said to dictate how you give in your attitude. Here's the third question. Do you give to survive or do you give to thrive? Here's the solution. Saturate your heart and your mind with the principles and promises of giving. And then trust God to give even if you're in a famine. Because the conditions of a famine has nothing to do with the condition of my heart where my seed produced comes from and so father thank you for today and thank you for an incredible sunday on next week in jesus name whatever here still about and if you're watching me here's my question if you die today are you 100 sure you go to heaven